I wish in, in a way there were more kids here because they could identify with what I'm about to talk about. I remember, and, and I guess they still have these things, but they were uh, toys. And they were kind of cool because, and, and they've made them look like anything, but they started off with making them cars, and now they've made movies into them and all that kind of stuff. And you could fold them, you'd fold this back, you'd turn this over, you'd do this, and it would be a human, well, a robot or something, you know. And they were called Transformers because they transformed into something else. Now, Transformers meant something different to me because I'm old. Transformers were the black box that you got when you had a train set. And, 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 and when you plugged them in, they had a certain smell to them. Blanca's sitting here shaking her hand. You're not that old, Blanca. <laughs> and and I, I wondered exactly what Transformers did. So I looked it up. Here's the official definition. At least this is what WikiLeaks said. And they're, they're as official as anything, aren't they? Model trains run on electricity. Duh. In the simplest form, power goes from the train transformer or power pack through one wire connected to the track and into one of the rails. And electricity goes up through from the rail through the metal wheels on the locomotive and into the electric motor, causing it to run. All right, that's a technical definition, and we need an electrical engineer to explain that. But in essence, what it means is this. It takes the power that's wired through our house and transforms it into the power into the electric motor. Christianity is about transforming. It's about changing. It's about going from one thing to another. And if we have not changed since we became a disciple of Christ and I can't answer this for you only you can there's something wrong we would be upset if we had children uh, that didn't grow uh, I mean you know after after uh, 10 years my grandson he keeps growing and loses teeth and those kind of things can you imagine if he were the same I it cropped up on my Facebook this morning, a picture of him when he was born. Can you imagine 10 years old him looking like that and saying, hey, look at him. Look at my grandson. Isn't he cute? And everybody would say, yeah, he's cute. And then they'd turn around and say, something is really wrong. Well, we get concerned about those kind of things physically. But why don't we get concerned about those things spiritually? Because we are to transform. The passage that Jeff read said that we are to transform. We have a roadblock, a fight that goes on all the time. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human traditions. Empty deceit and human traditions. Can I change that a little bit? Can I change that to culture and human traditions? 
we're so guided by human traditions, the things that we do, and yet also culture takes us and makes us what it wants to. Because you see what happens, the culture says, dress like this, we tend to dress like that. When it says, buy this car, we buy that car. When it says, do this, we do that. And we have to be careful, does culture change us or do we change culture? We're not to love the world, the Bible says. Neither the things in the world, but I get the impression that we're very comfortable with where we are. That we would just as soon be here as anywhere else. Too many would say, oh no, 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 it's not time to die, I don't want to die. And I'm not advocating that you say, I want to die. But what I'm saying is, we tend to say, I have too many things to do, on and on and on we go. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And he says, I don't know which one I should choose. I'm pressured by both. I have the desire to be a part, to part and be with Christ. And he says, which is far better. How many of us say, you know, if we depart and live with Christ, that's far better. And he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary to you. Which one sounds better to you? To keep on living or being with Christ. It's a dilemma that we all face. It's one that we all struggle with. And so Paul tells us, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices. I find that phrasing kind of interesting. Living sacrifices. You see, a sacrifice was what the Jews understood completely because you took a calf, you took a sheep, you took a bird, you took some kind of thing like that, and you offered it. And you lost your life, at least the sheep did, at least the cow did. And he says, I want you to be living sacrifices. The word sacrifice is kind of an interesting word. It means a sacrifice, to give up. He says, I want you to give up, but I want you to keep on living. I want you to be transformed, he says. In fact, he says, this is your spiritual worship. Now, we have this argument all the time, and I think it's a a valid one, uh, but you need to agree with me. (laughs) Our life is worship. We say, oh, we're going to worship. Well, that's great. What we usually mean is we're coming on Sunday morning to sing songs, living for Jesus, soldiers of Christ, arise. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. But Paul says your entire life is a worship for God. He says, don't be conformed to this age. Don't be conformed to this culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Hence, we have our theme for the year. I'll have some banners later that Jeff Helt has done. 
transformed. I'm calling on all of us to be transformed, to be different, to look different than the world. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about seeing things through different eyes. I'm talking about being who we are without being like the world. Notice, our life is spiritual and it's eternal. But we're to bring our bodies under control. I think that's exactly what he's saying when he says living sacrifices. The sad thing is that many times people can't tell if a person is a Christian or not because there's so little difference. But this word transformed is an interesting word, and we don't see it in the English, and you've probably heard me talk about it or other preachers talk about it. He says, be transformed. And it's the word that we get our English word metamorphosis from. From larva to butterfly. From ugly to beautiful. I, I, I said this just a couple weeks ago. Um, J.B. Phillips has a translation of this. And he says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. He calls us to change, to be different, to be used by him, different than we used to be. And I ask this question again, are you growing? Have you changed from the time that you became a Christian till now? You see, the goal of our lives is to become like Jesus. We all, with unveiled faces, I'm starting to read a scripture, but do you remember what that meant? When Moses went up on the mountain, he'd come down, he would talk to God. And when he'd come down, his face would be glowing. And the, and the children of Israel said, you know, please veil your face. Put something on your face. You're too bright to look at. And in this scripture, he says, with, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Another version says we are being transformed into his likeness. Now one of our problems is, okay, I want to be transformed. But we think it's an overnight experience. We think, all right, I'm going to be transformed. Tomorrow I'm going to be transformed. Ah, No, this is a lifetime transformation. It is something that happens gradually in your life it's the way you see things it's the attitude that you have it is something that takes a while you know that i love to quote my favorite passage from second corinthians chapter four therefore we do not lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed Can I say it? Dare I say it? Changed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So, 
we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If you notice, the Christian life is to be lived daily. He says, don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. It's not a Sunday only, but a constant quest. C.S. Lewis said, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, and peace, eternal life, you must get close to or into the thing that has them. Everything we do and every way we act must have a spiritual perspective. We worry about things that absolutely mean nothing. We worry about things that are truly material and physical. And he says, you know, that's, that's all well and good. But what is the spiritual inference in all of this? C.S. Lewis concludes by saying, Once a man is united to God, how could he not live forever? Once a man is separated from God, what can he do but wither and die? Jesus told his followers, you must take up your cross and follow me. And Luke adds one word, daily. Second, we're growing older. It's hard for the young people to understand this. Uh, but when, when you get to be uh, a certain age, you start feeling a little... Well, yeah. I love what Rick actually says, and I can't say it perfectly. He said when he was in his 20s, he could play basketball all day long. He said when he was in his 30s, he could play basketball, but he'd be sore. He'd say by the time he got to his 40s, he didn't even want to play. Isn't that the truth? We're just growing older. Someone said the seven decades of life can be described... As spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. There are no Benjamin Buttons. Each day we're one day closer to being with God. We used to sing a song. And uh, we just, we don't sing it anymore. But it's, a, it's an old song, but it goes, One sweetly solemn thought comes to me o'er and o'er. Today I'm nearer to my home than e'er I've been before. So what do we do? Well, Paul said, so let us fix our eyes. Let us fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Temporary and eternal. Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are also surrounded by a large cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance 
the race that lies before us and keep our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. I love that passage. Who for the joy that lay before him. He knew where he had been. He knew where he was going. And we as Christians should be transformed into that. Knowing exactly where we're going. And so we endure what goes on. Not become comfortable. Not say, you know what, I like it here. But to continue to look for his coming. Temporary or eternal. Jesus or death. It's your choice.